part two of this week's episode, Susanna Harris talks about how PhD balance came to exist and about the insights she's garnered by creating this graduate student community focused on mental health. Finding mentors in that aspect is really figuring out, you know, who are the people around you that genuinely want you to succeed? I think that's the first part. And the other is just accepting that they want you to succeed. People get satisfaction from helping others. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. So welcome to part two of uh, the Papa PhD interview with Susanna Harris. Uh, and just before the break, uh, she was talking about um, teaching kids about science, teaching scientists how to uh, to teach their science or to uh, to popularize science uh, and to talk about it to different publics. And Susanna mentioned that in February something happened and uh, that the door of sorts opened. Uh, so Susanna, can you talk a little bit about what happened? So in, uh, in February of 2018, uh, I, was, I was already starting to, I was coming on a, a year of being out of that really difficult time in my life. I, I had my feet under me a little bit more. I had realized how beneficial it was to me to be able to use my skills, my interests to help support others, whether kids or scientists. Um, and I, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to be doing from there, but I happened to read this paper that came out in Nature Biotechnology, and it was just sort of a perspectives paper where they had surveyed a, a really large group of graduate students, majority of which were PhD students. Mm -hmm. And they found something like 40% in the last two weeks showed symptoms or signs of anxiety or depression. And I had two really strong reactions to this. The first reaction was, uh, you know, oh, okay, well, I I'm not so off then, you know, I'm not, I'm not one in a hundred people. I mean, if there's 10 people in a room, there's four of us that are currently struggling. So yeah, that was, that was sort of comforting in a very bizarre way. <laughs> and, and the other thing was really that I, I happened to be at a conference where there were a couple hundred people and I looked around, this is a science communication conference. And I looked mm -hmm. around and I thought, well, this is obviously not the right place for that survey. If, if they surveyed this room, it would be closer to 5% maybe because I, I struggle with depression, anxiety. Maybe there's a couple people in here that in the back corners or, mm -hmm. you know, kind of aloof, maybe they're those people, but the people around me, those are people who are really successful. These aren't the people who are struggling. And it, it sort of clicked into place for me that even though I knew these stats and statistics, even though I had the logic of a scientist, I wasn't able to put the statistics on my surroundings. And I, I thought about how could I do that? Uh, I happened to be very active on social media at the time, not in terms of producing. I had a very small following. I was an absolute nobody on any social media, uh, but I followed you know restaurants and things. And I saw people talking about their PhD and their grad school experience and about science communication. 
Um, and it seemed like the right platform to put up a, the image that we see every day of people in academia, really successful, smiling, here's their dog, whatever. <laughs> uh, but below, put the real story that was happening. You know, So for me, when I struggle with things, I, I still go to work. I still engage. I, I might be a little bit touchier. I might be you know, a little more standoffish, but I'm there, I'm doing the things that I need to do. And, and you might just think it's a bad day. Whereas I'll go home and just lay on the couch and stare at the ceiling for four hours. Those are the things that we can't really see from somebody else. Uh, and so I just wanted to make a little space where people could come together and some of us could share our stories, kind of get that catharsis of, of just saying something out loud uh, and find other people who maybe were struggling, people who needed that support uh, talk about these statistics and, and just kind of build a little space separate from my department where I could find friends going mm -hmm. through that same situation of mental illness while in graduate school, because you're going to have more in common with other PhD students around the world than you might have with your family members or even undergraduates at your university. Uh, and, and the internet and Instagram specifically seem like a good place to just start talking. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, we've, I mentioned in the beginning PhD balance, but this must have been something before. It's a, a stage previous to, to uh, getting it very structured. Yes, yes. Um, if you dig all the way back through uh, to the start of the PhD balance Instagram, you can tell it's all run by me. I have the artistic ability of probably one of my dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, just whatever I was thinking at the time, whatever I felt like I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, it was originally called PH depression, actually. So okay. it was because I was a PhD student who struggled with depression. That was the biggest hurdle for me, even though I was dealing with other things as well. Depression was the big thing that was getting in my way. And I reached out to other people to share some stories. Uh, Instagram is great because you can look up things by hashtag. So I looked up like PhD life and, checked through what people were writing and found yep. the people who were being honest and reached mm -hmm. out. Uh, so this was a, a one person show for about a month and um, it really got a lot of attention. I started to get a couple stories a week. Uh, yep. People were interacting, they were interacting with each other and a lot of people suggested, Oh, Hey, you should start on Twitter at the time. I think I had 32 Twitter followers. I just, <laughs> Twitter was terrifying to me. Um, but uh, I, I had a friend who uh, started up a Twitter account for us so we could kind of spread it out and find more people. And it kept growing. And so I brought on other people who were, uh, they helped edit the stories, they helped create things, mm -hmm. um, eventually built a website. And that's around the time when we actually became a company so that ultimately responsibility would fall on me. Uh, it is a very... We talk about really difficult topics. We have a, a following that is at a higher risk of, uh, you know, self-harm and suicide. And the last thing that I wanted was one of my editors getting in trouble for something that was posted. And that was when we switched the name from PH depression to PhD balance. Uh, and I was probably the last person who said yes to this. There's a lot of reasons for it. One, that the most important was that uh, there were a lot of people who said, I, I, I don't have depression, but I'm dealing with other things or, you know, I have anxiety. So the name was sort of exclusionary and we certainly wanted to talk about all sorts of struggles and mental okay. illness. On the other side was the fact that nobody knew how to say our name. 
it was a, you know, pH depression, which said out loud, it, it makes sense. But, yeah. you know, we got everything from PhD depression and pH depression and PhD expression. That was an interesting <laughs> one, but, you know, it's just people reading. So switch to PhD balance to, to focus on, um, you know, the next steps that it's, it is about finding balance. It's not about just getting treatment um, or only getting treatment when you're really struggling or you have like a diagnosis, but uh, trying to understand how to balance all of the different components of a mm-hmm. PhD, including the, the most important tool for completion of a PhD, which is your brain, mm-hmm. your creativity, mm-hmm. your logic. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So that's, it's, we just celebrate our, our second birthday. Wow. Yeah. And actually I, I agree with you that you want to keep the, your 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 self and your mind balanced and not going into peaks or troughs you know i understand i i think i understand what you're saying but now what the curiosity that that i have when you mention uh starting getting a following is if you're thinking you know of a listener that's now listening to papa phd what's the most frequent thing that that people um mention dealing with in terms of, of mental health as a PhD student? Yeah, uh, this is something that comes up a lot when I go and travel and give talks at universities or at conferences. Um, we, look, we look back at all of our stories, and actually we have one of our team members now who's um, actually systematically going through and looking at what themes come up in the stories. But the general tone of the stories is that someone was, was struggling and they didn't they didn't really recognize that they were struggling until it got to a really, it got to a breaking point. Okay. Um, and it was only when they decided to reach out and get help, whether it was from a friend, a family member, a therapist, a doctor, that they actually started to get better. They started to feel like the version of themselves that they wanted to be and that mm-hmm. maybe they didn't even feel like they could be anymore. Uh, and that now things are better than they were and, and that they are thankful that, they made that decision to to use those resources and really to work on themselves, even when at the time they they really didn't want to. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember for me, one thing that got me anxious at a certain point, and it had to do with the feeling that you mentioned of, oh, I don't belong here or they're going to kick me out. Uh, it wasn't exactly that, but it was it was a feeling like that. And then I went to um, a seminar on imposter syndrome and I was like, this, someone put a name on it. And I was like, okay, I have this. <laughs> uh, and uh, I imagine for someone who has never, you know, ha- struggled and, and has never had a therapist, etc., until the moment someone puts a tag on what they're feeling or struggling with, they might think, I don't know, I'm uh, weak or they may have a lot of negative self-talk uh, instead of uh, identifying something that they just don't know the name of. Yeah, I, I think one of my least favorite phrases is fake it till you make it because mm-hmm. it indicates that one, you should hide all of your imperfections, all of the things that you're working on improving, um, you know, put this outward appearance that everything is fantastic. And mm-hmm. then at some point, you're going to get to the point where you're actually going to believe that as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where your self image is going to match this superhero of a human that you've tried to put out there. And I I mean, I don't know everyone I've talked to that has not been the case. Uh, I have never reached that point. It's magical thought a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I have never met somebody who said I really doubted myself and then I just pretended everything was fine and, and suddenly it was and I'm <laughs> great forever. Uh, so that idea of, you know, coming to terms with the fact that you're going to have these thoughts. And, and for people who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically the idea that you have somehow ended up in this place where you are at a lower caliber or quality than everyone else around you. And that you're probably about three missteps away from everyone turning and looking at you and outwardly saying, you know, you just don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a fraud. And a suddenly everything that you have said comes into question and we've realized that you're a liar. You summed it up very well. <laughs> well, uh, you know, as, as a, another person who's definitely dealt with this, it's funny because everyone feels like they're the only person and it's probably the most common feeling in academia. Yeah. I think that the vast majority of academics are deal with imposter syndrome and the rest are just narcissists. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, I know that's probably a, an interesting thing to say, but not that people are dealing with imposter syndrome all the time, but I think any person who their job is to question every truth around them, to look at their work and say, am I wrong in this? How, how am I wrong? How have I not answered the question completely? Of course, we're going to turn that on ourselves and say, you know, how am I not good enough? How am I lacking? How am I not enough to make other people believe me? Uh, and, and so I think imposter syndrome is really, is really common. I think that it's it in some ways can help us understand what are these things that we deeply want to work on. Uh, But when we don't, like you said, when we don't have the words for it, um, it just sort of compounds the issue that not only are we struggling, but we're, we're struggling about struggling and that Mm -hmm. no one else is struggling. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a very strange situation and in the, the aha moment of someone putting a tag on it for me, it marked me. I was like, Oh my gosh, uh, this is a thing and there's books written on it so i'm not this strange guy or this uh, like you were saying subpar person that somehow through uh, through luck got to this position where i just don't deserve to be uh, and uh, um yeah it's um yeah and this is one of of the of the things that i'm sure a lot of people may be dealing with but um one question that that i have for you is so now phd balance uh uh, is, is a community or, or kind of there's a community of people uh, around PhD balance, you know, people for whom uh, mental health in higher education is important, people who have dealt with or struggled. Uh, so there's different types of people around uh, around uh, PhD balance, I imagine. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the structure, about the, the what, what people can expect uh, from PhD balance as uh, someone who, I don't know, uh, reads the content or contributes? So it's kind of interesting. Uh, we do have a really big team right now. So like I said, in that summer of 2018, we started bringing on more people. And right now we have about 15 people doing different jobs okay. on the team. Okay. It's, it's such a large number because almost everyone is a graduate student. We all have a lot of things going on. So mm-hmm. if it was someone's full-time job, they could be the full-time editor and the website editor. But as it is, we have a handful of content editors and we have a few people who work on the different social media sites and, and things like that. Uh, and we do, we do work really hard and it's, um, it's been a challenge for me because I've never run something quite akin to this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been quite the learning experience. Uh, but right now, we mostly do that where we're sharing stories, we're sharing tips, we're 
getting those statistics out there that people can share, people can bookmark, and they can kind of remind themselves, uh, especially in this time of, of isolation and uncertainty. But we are starting to look at this idea that the first two steps of getting help for your mental health and, and building a, a healthier space for yourself, the first two steps are first realizing something might not be right or something might be holding you back uh, in terms of your your mood, your productivity, your ability to sleep and build relationships. Uh, and the second piece is really deciding that it's worth it to try to get that help, that you're mm. worth it to try to get that help. And that's really where we've been focused so far is, is getting people, helping people see others' journeys and, and hopefully get to that point. But the next three steps are, are actually finding that help, taking the third is finding that help. The fourth is actually taking advantage of that help of mm -hmm. using those resources. And the fifth is building this continuation of, of self-improvement and self-awareness. And we realized we, we weren't getting there and we weren't really helping people to find the way there. You know, this lip service of, of, Oh, go find help is, is uh, useless at best. Um, I, I think doing these things, you know, uh, and sharing these stories, I think that is really useful. And we get a lot of feedback that that is really useful. But I think we also see a lot of institutions, a lot of places who claim to say that they offer help are actually mm -hmm. saying other people offer help, go find it. And mm -hmm. um, I certainly didn't want to contribute to that sort of atmosphere. So we are now revamping our website. We're looking at creating spaces for people to uh, meet with each other virtually to, to bond over shared things, to share their opinions um, and ask questions and forums where they are going to be more protected than just asking the, the internet or, or asking yeah. a, a colleague right next to them. Uh, and and working towards building these small communities based on those shared experiences rather than just where you're living or the people that you happen to interact. Question, uh, and this is actually a question uh, from, a, from a listener. Zoe Ayers as, asked me to ask you, and I think this is the right moment, uh, whether there's any support, specific support you're giving uh, PhD students these days uh, around the, the, the pandemic. Is there anything happening on your side specifically to deal with maybe the isolation that people might be going through? Yeah, so we're kind of tying in. There's a couple of things. One is that April, you know, for my own personal reasons, in a lot of ways, um, one is that, you know, it is, it is coming up on that spring um, higher rate Time of, of suicide mm -hmm. and isolation really contributes to that feeling of uncertainty. Those things really contribute. It's a hard time anyway. And um, I am concerned for certain friends that we're really focusing on uh, risk awareness uh, and understanding concerning things and how to get yourself help. Uh, and I think that's really where we're coming in. But we are talking a lot about isolation. We're talking a lot about ways to reach out. Um, and another thing that I'm excited about is I'm going to start doing this uh, webinar, which depending on, on uh, attendance and engagement mm -hmm. will hopefully turn into something that's weekly with um, a man named Nathan who works at uh, UAC College also does this GRIT initiative, but it's all focused on um, allowing students to gain access to things uh, in terms of supporting their, their mental health and their uh, development through their university system. And so we're going to start that next week. It's uh, going to be on Thursday. We'll see if it continues. But I think next week we're just going to be talking about setting goals and, and finding pieces of control in an entire world of uncertainty. And I think 
I mean, this is just another layer of stress on top of yeah. things that, that students are facing. Um, but this is not minimizing because this is like, this is a catastrophe of huge proportions, especially as someone who just got a PhD in microbiology. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. for months I have been pretty terrified of what's going on. Um, you know, and especially I'm going to be joining the workforce. We're all, we're all facing this in different ways. Um, but the reality is of, of a PhD program, you're going to be there for four to six years. You're going to face some sort of personal crisis. Definitely. <laughs> Huge chances are just like, you know, by statistics, you're, you're in some ways an adult, no matter when you're starting, whether you're starting at 22, 32, 42, uh, you're at different levels of adulthood. But there's going to be losses of relationships. There could be a death in your friends or family. There's you know, financial issues, there's all of these big pieces. And so I think that this is just another example of how the world is uncertain. And the truth is the world is as uncertain today as it was last year at this time. When these things happen, we say, oh, the world is so uncertain. But the truth is, is that it was just as uncertain back then. We just were not as acutely aware of it. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I hope that the resources that we build up in the next few months, um, focus more on that, that how do we deal with these things of increased uncertainty? How do we mm -hmm. deal with things like tragedy? How do we communicate with advisors and just honestly say, I cannot fulfill that? Um, and, and realizing that there, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of times where we tell ourselves, well, I can't possibly say that. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What, what would it look like if we did say that? Is our advisor in a position where they can just fire us? In some places, yes, and we need to know that. In other places, yeah. you know, they might think that they're helping to stimulate you in terms of productivity, um, and, and they probably want to know, they don't necessarily want to know the details, but they at least probably want to be aware of the situation. So. Mm -hmm. I think this is a time where we get a chance to be really introspective about what is, what isn't working and about these rules that we've taken for granted for a long time of, well, I, I have to be at work to be productive or, you know, what are these different things that we've been telling ourselves that are the truth that we're now getting a chance to challenge? Yeah, well, some, one of the things that are slightly uh, disturbing that I've seen uh, on Twitter specifically is uh, You know, the, the discussion is on should you disclose uh, or not if you have a mental health issue, if you're struggling with something, and how that affects being uh, hired into a lab or, or, or accepted into university. And when you see some of these letters of refusal, it's, it's heart-wrenching. And um, it's, it's, like you say, uncertainty is there all the time. And I think it's really, really great that that uh, people like you are out there trying to show people that they have resources and that they have kind of a uh, a group where they can uh, find people who are who have maybe have already dealt with these issues instead of being alone in front of uh, huge decisions or uh, things that may be very very stressful i think in these cases there is no right answer other than giving people the tools to make their own personal decisions. A question that I get every time I speak somewhere is, should I tell my advisor what's going on? And yeah. my perspective is that everyone should tell someone, but nobody should tell everyone. Yeah. And certainly not all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, different advisors, uh, different people 
are going to be very helpful to you or could actually make situations worse. Um, and that's just, I think, the reality of dealing with human beings, that everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses. Everybody has their different biases. And the only thing you can do is, is protect and support yourself. And uh, finding the people who are going to champion you, uh, I think, I think that, is the, that is the most important. And, and doing things, um, and I hope what we can start doing is, is giving people more examples of what others have done and if it was successful and what maybe they wish they had done differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on the point of finding mentors and this is something that even uh, to me is a question that I, I, I still try to ask as much as I can because I think not everyone has the same story of how they found their mentors uh, some have uh, gone to someone as kind of maybe in an informational interview type setting and it, they ended up be, staying as a mentor uh, s- some it's just serendipity uh, and my question to you is did you find mentors along the way, people that you can consider have been mentors to you? How did that meeting happen? And, and what, what were the ways in, in which these people helped you grow and, uh, and, uh, and flourish until today? I think in general, it has been more close to serendipity versus uh, active searching, which is kind of funny because I've done a ton of active searching. There's mm. been a lot of times where I've said, oh, I need, a, I need a mentor. I need an accountability person. I need to do these things. And so I'm going to go find the right person for it. And I mean, sometimes that works out in the short term, but I think for me, there's a difference between a mentor and an advisor. An advisor yeah. is there to give you advice. Normally, you're not going to find somebody who gives you advice on everything a person who gives great advice on career decisions in terms of science communication is different than somebody who gives great advice on career decisions in terms of industry, right? Mm -hmm. And so an advisor is somebody that you go to for a specific situation, a specific set of questions. A mentor is somebody who is going to see your success as in some way fulfilling to them and understands that your success does not look like their success. They're not acting as... Um, a guide to get you through their path, but rather somebody who can maybe be on the lookout and and look around and say, Hey, that might be a good opportunity. Or, you know, I I seem to see that you're struggling with this obstacle. Can I give, uh, can I give you some of my perspective and that they really understand that, that their role is, is to give you their perspective, but that they're not going to be offended when you don't take their advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, I think finding, mentors in that aspect is really figuring out, you know, who are the people around you that genuinely want you to succeed? I think that's the first part. And the other is just accepting that they want you to succeed. That Mm -hmm. has been the biggest thing that has held me back from really Mm -hmm. engaging with mentors until the last couple of years is that people get satisfaction from helping others. There were so many times where I said, this person is way too busy. Um, if they offer me their time, I'm going to take it in a heartbeat, but I don't want to ask them for their time. I don't want to ask them for their help. Uh, And it's only been the last few years. And thanks to uh, my therapist, thanks to different classes I've taken that I've come to understand, you know, one, people can say no. So if you ask them for something, allow them to say no. And two, people want to be asked for, to help with things that are fulfilling to them. So if you ask somebody you know, I want to meet with you. I want to ask some questions. I love your opinion. And they say, yes, just trust that, that they're going to get something out of that too, that you're not being a burden, 
Um, if that person says yes, it's something they want to do. And, and if they say no, you know, if you're looking for a mentor and someone says no to offering you some help, don't go back to that person. They are not worth your time as a mentor. They might be worth your time as an advisor, but your mentor is somebody who will actively want to support you. Mm. That's super important. And uh, you just made me think uh, last December, I was in Portugal. I come from Portugal and I was there talking to the, the students of my PhD program who are there now. And one of the, the questions was, well, but if we call up on people, we're going to be bothering them. It's exactly what you were saying before. And thank you for saying this, because clearly it's something that students, especially, you know, when you kind of have this thing about authority and about people who are older than you, you may block yourself from just trying to meet with someone. And that person might actually have become a champion of, of your, you know, of, uh, of you. <laughs> and I think that's why giving back uh, is so important. One is that you, you know, you get that experience yourself, but two is you get to have that introspection of, oh, it makes me feel really good when someone asks me for something that I can give. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone comes to me and says, hey, I have a couple questions about how to support a friend with mental health or, mm -hmm. you know, how do, how do I find out if my advisor is going to be helpful? That's something I can help with and I get excited to do it. There's other things that people ask of me and that either I can't do or that's, you know, not enjoyable to me. Um, it's not something that I am going to get fulfillment out of. And I say, you know, I'm not the right mm. person. Let me direct you to the right person. But yeah. realizing when someone asks me for help and I can do a good job of it, that feels nice. It feels like an accomplishment for the day. Uh, and that is true for other people with what they like to help with. For sure. So I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing, especially, you know, hearing your story and, that you were in this in this uh, dark uh, pit of uh, having no hope for a while and that today you're helping people. And the question that I'd like to ask you is, looking back, did you ever expect that you would be in a place where you are, like where you are today, that you're helping people, you have just finished your PhD and now the, the future is ahead of you? And uh, I'd say it, it, it's probably a bright one. Uh, yeah, short answer is absolutely not. I did not <laughs> expect, um, you know... Graduating with a PhD, I, I hoped for a long time. And it's mm. funny that the closer it got, the more like it seemed like it wouldn't be real. Uh, <laughs> even two weeks ago when people were like, are you excited to be graduating? I, my response was something along the lines of like, please don't jinx it. Don't say that out loud. Uh, you know, the world will hear you. Uh, but in terms of, you know, when I started the PH depression page, uh, I never thought that it would be something that I would talk about in person, uh, much less that I would be, that I would travel to talk about it at conferences. I think, you know, it's scary enough to, to talk to a friend or even a therapist about things like suicidal ideations. Like even that term always makes me pause because I'm like, Oh, this is heavy. Um, but I think the largest group I've spoken to was the graduate career consortium. And there were, over a hundred people there and all of these people had higher qualifications than I did. There's people who are supporting graduate students running administrations or like vice provosts and things like that. And I was standing up in front of them explaining that same story. Uh, and that was, that was terrifying. And just before that, I had been able to be on a podcast uh, for this thing called this week in microbiology, which was a podcast okay. I had listened to since undergrad. And I was, speaking with the president of the microbiology society that I've been part of since a mm. freshman in college. Um, 
if somebody had told me that starting that Instagram page would lead to those things, I would have absolutely <laughs> not started that Instagram page. Uh, but, uh, you know, it has been, I think science communication is more fun for me. I, I just, I love talking to scientists and getting to kind of like use my brain in new fun ways, but absolutely the PhD balance work has been the most fulfilling. And while we have grown a lot from, you know, a couple hundred people on an Instagram page to, I think our combined following across Instagram and Twitter right now is uh, just over 43,000. And, and my own platform has grown a lot from, you know, being 35 on, on Twitter to some number that I'm not even sure right now. All of that is worth it because of the occasional messages I get in my direct messages or the occasional times where I meet somebody uh, at a conference or even just in passing and they pull me aside and they say, hey, I listened to an interview you did or I, I read some of the stories or whatever and it came at a really important time for me uh, and, and I really appreciated that. So thank you. Um, that means more to me than anything else. It's something that doesn't go on a CV. It's something that it's not something to brag about because it's not, it's not really anything that I can do without other people taking a chance and spending their time looking at something. It, it really, it means a lot that something that I have done has put a piece of information in front of somebody who needed to read it. Uh, and, and really that idea of sharing stories and sharing experiences. And hopefully, you know, if, if we reach five people a year, at the right time, at the right place yeah. where they're struggling in any way. And this helps them speak with an advisor. This helps nudge them towards talking to a therapist. This helps them figure out how to talk to a friend who might be struggling. Um, that's really, that's worth more than any publication could ever be for me. Uh, and even now I feel like that's a sacrilege to say <laughs> as someone who just got a PhD, but in the end, that's, that's what drives me. And uh, I just, I can't imagine these last couple years without it. Um, a lot of the time that I still was struggling with my PhD, it's not like you have a turning point and suddenly it's easy. Uh, and no. people often say, you know, it all comes together at the end, which of course it does. It's like saying it, I found something in the last place I looked. Why would you keep going? <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't, you know, but uh, it's helped me um, more than I think probably any other person. So I, I feel really privileged to have this opportunity to connect with people around the world who really care about the mental health of themselves and, and others. Uh, so, yeah, I have no idea what your original question was, uh, but... It was, did, did, you, did you imagine yourself to get where you are today? So I think you, you kind of, you kind of summarize the... <laughs> Well, in, a, in long form, the, the, the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is the opposite of summarize? <laughs> it's, it's way bigger than I expected. I absolutely would have not started it had mm. I known, but um, I've never done anything more fulfilling uh, in my life. Awesome. And it talks to the value of uh, how much you get from giving back. And, and uh, I, this is something I believe deeply in. Uh, Susanna, we're reaching the end of the, of the interview. I... I kind of wish I had uh, a two-hour format because we could have talked about the whole uh, science communication aspect. But I think, uh, you know, this is something maybe in another conversation we can, we can talk about. Uh, it's something I, I uh, am passionate about too. But I think today we really focus a lot on how um, 
how important it is to give back. We focus a lot on mental health and the importance of uh, talking with with people who can help you. Uh, the importance of talking with people who are going or, or who have gone through the same things that you've had. Um, and we've talked about your projects that have to do with that. Uh, and uh, now the the thing that I would like to ask of you would be maybe um, based on your experience uh, and on no knowing the community that that uh, that has built around, uh, for example, uh, PhD Balance, two or three pieces of advice that you could share with the listeners to, uh, and maybe even given that we're now all isolated at home, you know, to deal with whatever they might be dealing with in terms of anxiety or, you know, fear of getting COVID. Uh, three pieces of advice for April 3rd, 2020. What can people do to have a good day, to have a good week and to have a good year? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Because I mean, my other pieces of advice are like, are actually choose your advice and the people you get advice from very carefully. Um, <laughs> you should, you should probably take advice or listen to advice, uh, seek out advice for any large decision you make. But um, for instance, don't ask If you're if you're wondering uh, how to how to best train your dog, you shouldn't ask somebody who's never trained a dog or who has a dog that is really badly trained. That person might say, "Well, here's what you shouldn't do." There's a lot of ways to not do something. There's a lot mm -hmm. of ways to be very unhappy in your PhD or or to not get where you want to be in terms of your career. Seek out the people that you admire in whatever things that you're looking for advice. Uh, it's going to be a different thing, a different person for almost every topic. Mm. Uh, but as far as having a better day, uh, this is something that I developed uh, about a year ago when, again, it was a, a cycle of struggle. It's pretty normal. Uh, I, I call it my three, two, one uh, activity, sort mm. of. It, it takes like, I don't know, two to three minutes, maybe. Uh, so I You can either say it out loud or in your own head, or it, mm. I think it's helpful to write it down somewhere. But I think of three things that I'm thankful for that specific day. Uh, sometimes it's going to be something big of like friends. I'm thankful for friends, but I, I usually try to make it very specific to that day of, you know, I'm thankful that I have a really soft pillow or I'm thankful that uh, the pollen right now is kind of subsiding. And then, so that's the, the three part. The two part are two self compliments. And this is usually the most difficult. Uh, two compliments that you want to give yourself today that, and, and think about what would you say to a friend? If you were your friend, what would you say to this person? And it's, it's hard because you'll probably start out with things like, you know, you worked really hard on this thing today, but you mm. think about what you would tell a friend and you might say, oh, I really like your shirt or I'm really impressed by how honest you are or, or things like that. So think of two compliments to give yourself. And the last thing is pick out one self-love or self-care thing for that day. Maybe you've already done it. Maybe it's something as simple as making yourself a, a nice cup of coffee um, or reading a book or things like that uh, or, or set it aside for later of, I'm going to close my laptop at, 9 p.m. tonight and I'm going to not look at it and that's my self-care. So three, two, one, three things you're grateful for, two compliments and one self-care. And I've really found whether I'm stressed out, depressed, isolated, uh, your brain can figure out kind of what you need. Um, uh, and if you just kind of give it that space and, and sometimes you have to force yourself to do these mm -hmm. things, but uh, it really, really has helped me. 
Very cool, and it's, it's so simple, three to one. It's so easy to to remember. Very cool, and it's based on kindness towards yourself, which I think is is something that that we, uh, especially amongst PhDs, we're we're surrounded. Well, not these days because we're at home, but usually we're surrounded by super productive people whom, if we compare towards, we can we can easily have a very negative uh, self discourse and. Having a, this routine of being kind towards yourself, I think, is a very, very good piece of advice. Thank you. Now, uh, one last thing. I've already mentioned, uh, actually, I mentioned it at the top of the episode, your Twitter handle, etc. But uh, is there anything else that you'd like uh, to share in terms of links or, or events uh, that, that are pertinent right now? Yeah, actually. So uh, if people want to know more about me and find all the links, the easiest way to do that is go to just my personal website, which is www.susannalharris.com. Uh, Susanna has two N's and no H, but it's it's fairly easy to find. And then uh, so with with the isolation, one of the things that has been really more of a self-care for me than anything else, people think it's like career building or something altruistic, but uh, not really. It's It's a way to keep myself uh, energized and entertained. I've started doing some uh, discussions on YouTube as well as on my social media, Instagram, Twitter, but talking with different scientists about their research. It's so cool to hear about other people's research. So that's on YouTube. It's the same exact uh, channel name as everything else that I have. Um, so I guess the, the call out would be if you want to check it out and follow along, that's awesome. Uh, if you want to talk to me about your research, please reach out and let me know because I love plant microbe interactions. I think they're cool. I can talk about them all day, but I'm super excited for these next few weeks where I'm going to talk about 3D printing of human tissues and wow. the physics of elephant trunks. Um, so it's, it's keeping me going in this really bizarre time. <laughs> awesome. Susanna, thank you so much. I will put all of that in the show notes. Uh, and uh, again, I'm super happy that you accepted my invitation. I had a really a lot of fun uh, talking with you, even though we talked about some very deep and very hard issues but um i believe uh that that the listeners also will take uh, a lot of uh, good insights and comfort from this uh, hour conversation that we just had thank you yeah thank you so much david if you enjoy the insights shared on the show each week and would like to dig deeper into some of the subjects covered you can now join the papa phd postgraduate career exploration group on facebook there you will find like-minded listeners, but also a few of the past guests who will be taking part in the conversation. So, to start a conversation, just go to facebook.com forward slash PhD and ask to join. And if the show has helped you in any way and you'd like to contribute, join the Papa PhD Patreon at patreon.com forward slash PhD and become a monthly supporter. You will be helping me continue to interview interesting guests and to bring you stories that'll help you in your career journey. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Music